Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here is our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to Second Wind. This is, as you know, I'm in Tyler, Texas, and we are experiencing record-degree cold weather here. We're down in the 20s, very unusual for Texas. So anyway, we're all kind of in a panic with our layers of clothing on to keep us warm today. So those of you that are off in the tropics or wherever you may be, just want you to send us some love because we are freezing here. I want to tell you and announce something very special for me today, and that is that I'm announcing a way for you and I to stay better connected. And it's going to be through Facebook. I've created a private Facebook group. And as you may guess, it's named Second Wind with Joyce. And the whole purpose for that is that we, at this location, we can connect it and we can stay connected and share information. Now, for a while, I've been wanting to give you a way to ask questions to request topics to be discussed, and to have a two-way conversation about what is important to you. I want your feedback. I plan to offer webinars and other discussions on this site as well. So as we grow together, knowing better what each one needs and wants to support their transition, whether your transition is through divorce death of a partner, what, which one of those, and what are you needing? That is what I'm here to help you with. This is my way of supporting you through whatever you're going through. If I know your concerns and questions, I can support you better. And that's why I'm doing this. This site is up. Go there and request to enter, and I'll make it happen. You're in. I am really excited about the possibilities of this group as a resource for support and change that you may be going through. So I hope you'll go there today and sign up with Second Wind with Joyce. That's the group. And then if that's not working, let me know. Uh, through going to Joyce Buford. You can Google me and find me in some way to get in touch with me. Now, our guest today is an exceptional woman, and I'm thrilled that we're going to be discussing what she's done and how she's progressed through her, her life of change and, and development. She is, as a CEO of Dynamic Vision International Incorporated, Eldana Lewis Ferdinand 
Fernandez dispenses negotiation leadership and communication training to corporate clients and small business owners internationally. Her business is built on a 23-year career as a contract specialist in the Air Force, where she happened to negotiate hundreds of millions of dollars worth of domestic and international contracts. Now, she says she did everything from pens and pencils to office machines to automatic automotive parts and aircraft maintenance. Now, after she retired from the Air Force, Eldana spent 10 years as a contracts administrator negotiating again what she knew, systems and analysts for aerospace companies such as Raytheon, Sparta, and Parsons. Today, her corporate workshops and keynotes cover a variety of topics, everything from negotiating skills to commuting effectively and becoming a self-leader, which she defines as asking for what you want and owning the power to stand up for yourself. I love that. You know that is a strong message for me as well. Now, she is an award-winning speaker, and she has two books out there that you will find very, very interesting. You can go to her website and find even more, <clears throat> more that will be of value to you, to you in developing and moving forward in your life. Now, on the softer side of Elwina, Eldana, <clears throat> sorry, I just changed your name, Eldana, um, She's the mother of two adult children, and she is a woman with a huge heart and vision for giving back, as we will hear about her newest way of giving back to women. I love that about your work, Eldana. I just love that about the support that you're giving women in uh, changing their lives. So welcome, Welcome. It's great to have you here again. Yeah, Joyce, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it was hard to cut out anything. I mean, your your background is just so, um, um, I, I think, impressive. I mean, it's, it just sounds huge to me. When I first met you, I think it's been maybe eight, ten years ago, you spoke at eWomens in Dallas, and uh that's our first time to connect. I just, you, you spoke on that stage and I immediately wanted you to be sharing your message with my audience. So I'm so glad that we've kept that friendship going, but you, you're always concerned about women and their growth. And I love that about your work. Yeah. It's, uh, I've always had a passion to help women. I've been through a lot in my life and, and did a lot. Like I talk about being a self leader and how self leadership is, it's kind of the key to uh, having success. You have to lead yourself first before you can lead others. So I've done a lot of work on myself, and, and I know what I've been through in the past and how I've transitioned beyond that and have the life that I have today, and I want that opportunity for all women. Yeah. Now, that's interesting. I mean, you went into the Air Force as 
the best decision for you at that time, or were you drawn by your community for for your community for the United States? I mean, what was it that moved you in that direction? Did you have those skills of being able to be a negotiator when you went into the service? No, I I didn't. I think we all have an innate negotiation ability, but you have to learn how to hone it. So I. I was kind of scared of my own shadow then. I grew up with two alcoholic parents, and my mother died of alcoholism when I was 12. So I dropped out of school at 16, and I was kind of going nowhere fast. Um, Uh And I saw this commercial about the Air Force that said, Air Force, a great way of life. So I got my GD and joined the Air Force, thought it would be a a way that I could do something for my life, get a college Mm -hmm. education and training and a good job. Yeah. Yeah. At what age? Were you 19. 19. And you realized you were just treading water, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I was yeah. eight. I was 18 when I saw the commercial. And by the time I did, I entered what's called the delayed enlistment program, where I, I delayed enlisted with a date to depart uh, several months in advance. So I was 18 when I made the decision and 19 when I actually went on active duty. Right. Wow. What a great bit. I mean, how impressive that you were able to realize something has to change and this is a way out. I mean, I just think that's really special. Now, why? how did you gravitate toward the, um, uh, I'm going to call it the number size I, side. I think negotiating uh, contracts would be, is all about numbers, Right. Uh, well, it's not, it's not all about numbers. I mean, negotiation, yeah, numbers is one negotiating point, but there are a lot of terms and conditions and such. Uh, I, so I went into a recruiter and they sent me to, uh, get a physical and all that stuff. And then you, you know, you take the ASVAB test, which is the, the test that determines what job that you can get. And despite the fact that I was a high school dropout, I could pretty get, much get every job. I wanted in the military. I had scored pretty high in everything, so it wasn't. Uh, wasn't and they were at that time. They were starting to push women to get into uh, traditionally male career fields like aircraft maintenance and vehicle maintenance. And I'd scored really high there, but I decided to go um, something called open administrative. I wanted to go into computers, which at that point was considered in the administrative career field. And mm-hmm. the, they told me, oh, you can choose your job at basic training. Go to basic training, get ready to choose my job. And I see that I basically got fooled by the recruiters. Oh, yeah, that'll be on the list. No, there was slim to no chance oh. the job I wanted would be on the list. <laughs> oh. And they they gave me this sheet with several jobs and the required score to get in the job. Mm-hmm. And there were a bunch of jobs that had a really low score and this one job that had a really high score to get into. And the job was called contract specialist. I didn't know what it was, but I thought you must need to be smarter to do this job and these jobs. So I'm picking that one. And that's how I got into contracting. I love that. But now you say you described yourself as being um, in, insecure or having some self-doubt. How did you make that decision? I want to be in the smarter group of people. 
I don't know. It's just, just an spur of the moment thing because the <laughs> the guy I was sitting there staring at the sheet, and he's like, "Pick one, or I'll pick it for you." And I'm like, <laughs> "I'll pick this one." It just to me seems to be a better. I don't even know how I deducted that, but it just seemed to be a better choice. I didn't know what it yeah. was until I got to my technical training school, and they told me it was negotiating and managing co- contracts, doing purchasing, and uh, things like that, and it, it, well, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I'll do that then. <laughs> well, are you are you leading us to believe that anyone could be a negotiator, or do you have to have some certain skills or intuitive skills that you know, uh, personality wise? No, you don't have to have any intuitive skills. You just need to learn strategies in order to negotiate a better deal for yourself. It's like. Uh, like I'm saying for the, the average person is to never pay retail again. Or if you get something that uh, you disagree with, how do you fight it? How do you stand up for yourself? How do you get a better deal for yourself? A- anybody can do that. And the thing is that most people fear negotiation because they hear that word negotiation and think, oh, my gosh, I can't do that. Put the yes. word negotiation out of the out of the way and think this is just about making a discussion to reach an agreement on whatever right. it may be. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, cause I did attend one of your workshops. I remember you even had exercises in there of us, uh, making those decisions with play or different situations that you presented to us, which is really cool. Yeah. It was great. Workshop. So what are some of the strategies that somebody can um, or will need to be a good negotiator? Well, the first thing is, is, well, first couple of things. One, you have to realize that everything is negotiable when you think like a negotiator, that even walking away is a negotiating point, but to think about that in advance, which I'll talk about in a minute. But once you get to the point where you've decided within yourself everything is negotiable and you own your power and stand, you're, I'm going to stand up for myself that, mm-hmm. that, okay, I can, I can do this. I don't like this thing that I've gotten or, or this company took advantage of me or they overcharged me or this contract has some language that I'm not comfortable with. How do I discuss that? Those are the first things you do. This is negotiable. I'm going to own my power and stand up for myself. Uh, yeah. Next thing you have to think about is, whether it is or is not fair and reasonable, and that's subjective. Do you think it's fair and reasonable to whatever you've been given is a fair and reasonable offer or a fair and reasonable situation? And if it's mm-hmm. not, then you have to think about what to do to make it fair and reasonable. Hmm. Okay. If you're, um, you know, the, the most the, the thing, thing that I've negotiated for was a car and I felt so um I guess I went in there I didn't go in there with power because this was back in my 20s when I first um bought a car and how does one establish that I mean they're presented with the situation they have to make the the car decision perhaps it's the first one they've ever bought so how do they prepare for that uh, experience. Is so you can do that one of two ways. Is it what? 
is there prep preparation that we should always do? Oh, there's always prepare in advance. Prepare in advance is one of the key negotiation strategies for my book. You have to think about how this is going to go, what what you want in the end. You have to do some research and let's talk about a car. Okay, you're going to go Mm -hmm. negotiate a car. First, you have to understand that the salespeople are trained to get you to buy something so they can make a profit. Okay, it's great for businesses to make a profit, but you don't want them to make a, such a significant profit that you're paying out your ears. So mm-hmm. you you have to do some research. And some people are not good at negotiating car deals. So maybe you use your leverage and influence and leverage somebody. I actually, when I was a lot younger, had somebody go and negotiate. I was too excited about the car. And I'm like, I can't show up like this because I'll, I'll get a bad deal. He went and negotiated on my behalf because that was something that he was he was getting into the car buying and selling business. And then when I went to drive the car, I was all excited. And you could tell the salespeople were ticked because they'd, they'd given a really good deal and they could have gotten more had I gone in there. So those are things you have to think about. And you definitely want to figure out what your walk away point is. I'm not going to pay more than this amount. I've done my research. This is how much the, the car is worth. I'm not going to let them make a killing on me. If they go beyond this, I'm getting up and walking away. So you have to decide that in advance so you don't get caught up in the emotion of it. Right. Yeah. I That would probably be one of my parts, my weaknesses in negotiation, is separating myself and setting that point and being willing to walk away, And um, which doesn't always mean the deal is over, but it does mean you have to step forward into that decision. So, yeah, I like, and it gives my listeners freedom to, if they're really nervous about this first experience, to find a friend that can come in and be part of their negotiation team, actually create a team to um, right. part. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, because uh, if you don't feel confident enough in the specific situation, you need to get somebody who can. I've done a lot of a lot of the things I've done consulting for is that landlord-tenant disputes, and I've gotten a lot of money back for people that wouldn't otherwise have been able to do it because they didn't feel confident enough to stand up to the landlord. So I took over uh-huh. and helped. I've probably helped about 10 people get thousands of dollars back just from knowing that how the landlord-tenant law, I'm in California, so how the, that works here and what you can and can't do and how to re- construct a letter. I actually have a little um, course on how to construct a dispute letter because a lot of times it's best to put it in writing. Uh, yes. And that, that's been key to a lot of the success that I've had. Right. Um, is there a way, Eldana, in knowing what type of person or it, would be the best support when going to a negotiation or is it like the history of the person that determines that some people just seem Uh, to be better negotiators well it, it depends i think everybody should attempt their own negotiations but there are certain circumstances where you want to uh use your own leverage like we'll talk about in a little bit my my things in kenya that i'm doing Mm-hmm. I don't negotiate prices in Kenya. I have people do that because they see me coming. Mazungu um, mm-hmm. is white person in Kenya, and they're going to give me a Mazungu price. So I oh, step yes. out of the picture and let somebody else negotiate for me. You have to know 
when it's right to use your leverage and when not to. I, I always suggest people go out to a yard sale, a swap meet, a flea market, a thrift store, and negotiate for prices to get used to it, to get comfortable with it, because it is something, if you're not used to it, you need to do. You can't simply learn it by reading. You have to actually do it in order to get good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we are kind of at a disadvantage in the United States, I feel, uh, because we don't negotiate. You go to Mexico or you go to some third world countries, that's part of their buying process, is it not? It, it definitely is. Most countries have, but we have it here too. A lot of people think that, oh, it, it has a price on it. I get, I get different prices on retail all the time. It, you do? Simply, <laughs> yes, I do. Never pay retail again. Oh, okay. That's a motto that I now must have on my forehead, right? Never (laughs) pay full price. (laughs) How do you do that? Give me a situation. You have to ask. And it it doesn't necessarily mean that every time you're going to, you have to ask. You have to, oh, is there a, do you have a sale? Do you have a discount? I'm retired military. Do you have a military discount? And sometimes they'll say, no, we don't. And I say something like, you mean I served 23 years in this country? I sacrificed 23 years of my life, and you can't even give me a little discount. Some people will give me 10% just simply mm-hmm. by saying something like that. Yeah. And it's, it's oh, if I buy three of these, and you can go into a grocery store. Oh, I'm, I'm going to buy, uh, I'm having a party, and I need to buy XYZ. If I get a certain quantity, can I get a brick cost? break. Most of the time they'll say yes, but you won't know mm-hmm. if you don't ask. Asking is a key foundational principle in negotiation. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Now in your first book that you wrote, um, how to be a negotiator, what's the, uh, let me see, what, what's the title of your first think book? Think like a negotiator. Think like a negotiator. Actually, actually, yeah. Think like a negotiator. Yeah. Um, you actually put these steps in there, right? So that somebody, if they get that book, can really become more comfortable or know the processes. Yes, there's 50, it's called Think Like a Negotiator, 50 Ways to Create Win-Win Results by Overcoming, by Understanding the Pitfalls uh, to Avoid. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it has 50, some of the strategies I'm saying now, own your power, prepare in advance, fair and reasonable. It has 50 strategies like that with examples of stories of how, how to use it and stories where it's been successful in, in my life or life of others that I've come across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, valuable tool for us out here going through transitions. It's always good to go and be prepared, and this is a tool that you might want to get and read to help you prepare as you start making better uh, negotiation decisions. So I encourage you to go to Eldana's uh, website, which is thinklikeanegotiator.com, and uh, buy your copy and start uh, becoming a knowledgeable negotiator. So give me an example of something that, well, you did, you sort of did with you go in and buy multiple supplies for a party. But what would be one that people might not think 
of a way to negotiate? Would it be in department stores or is it more in small businesses that you find negotiating more effective? Uh, all of the above. I recently had a uh, took a trip to Kenya and my son decided he was going to go with me. I called and booked the flight for him to, I left on February. I just returned. So I left on February the 6th, arrived on the 8th and he was going to arrive, leave the 14th and arrive on the 15th with a team that was going, I was going a, a week in advance of the, the team. Uh-huh. And I called and booked it and didn't get the confirmation. So I contacted the airline and said, what's our confirmation number? I don't have it. They gave Mm -hmm. it to me. I looked it up. They had booked him to depart on the 6th and arrive on the 7th, which would be a day ahead of me, which made no no logical sense. Uh. I called the airline. I said, okay, this is what happened. And they're like, oh, okay, there's a $222 change fee and the airfare is $200 and whatever more. I repeated the same thing again that happened. And they basically said, well, okay, we'll, now this is, this is their fault. They're requiring me to pay for their fault is basically the way I'm looking at this. And they said, well, we'll, we'll waive the difference in the airfare, but we can't waive the change fee. Ask them to talk to a supervisor. Supervisor said the same thing. And most people will stop here. Oh yeah. Okay. That's a no. <laughs> can't do yeah. it. But yeah. a no is simply an offer. Never say yes to the first offer, second offer, sometimes third offer. It's an offer. You can accept it, reject it, or make a counteroffer. I kept rejecting it, but I thought, okay, this is not where I'm going to get resolution. I went ahead and agreed to it, paid the fee. Then I contacted the airline through their customer resolution center, and I had to fill out an online form and waited for them to call me back. A week later, they called me back, and I got on the phone with somebody, and they're saying, oh, what's the situation? I explained the situation. And they said, well, we don't usually do this. I thought to myself, sure you do. You're just saying that. We don't usually do this, but we'll give you half back, $100. And I said, well, first of all, that's not half. Oh, okay, we'll give you $111. And I said, well, I'm sure you have a recording of this. If you go back to that recording, you will hear that I said arriving on February 15th, departing on the 14th. It makes no logical sense that I would have my son arrive before me. Well, blah, 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 blah. And I just repeated it again. I had to repeat it three times before they said, oh, well, we'll give you the full amount. I am actually looking at the check right now for $222. (laughs) Wow. Very good. Um, and the the thing about that is they were attempting to make me pay for their error. It was their error and they were, Oh, well you have to pay. No, I'm not paying for your error. You have a recording. It says at the beginning, these calls are recorded, go back and pull the recording. And as far as I know, they may have pulled the recording, which is why they were making an offer of half. Half wasn't acceptable to me. I'm not paying for your error. You're paying for it. Yeah. Well, I love that you were so strong and stayed right in there. Um, uh, Yeah, there's times that that really is necessary to do. And, of course, with airfares and all that they've, all that, oh, that's a story in itself. But good example of where we need to be more prepared to stand up for ourselves. 
you, I love the thing of the recording because they do record it. And I would have never thought of doing that. Well, we have started off with great, great stories. And when we come back, we're going to be doing more and discussing more with Eldana. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Eldana Fernandez. And Eldana is, Eldana is a negotiator. She is the queen of negotiations. And she does workshops as well as offer speeches and wonderful things just to just to inform people about her 23-year history of learning negotiation while in the Air Force. Now, Eldana, you say we should always ask, particularly if we're in a discussion situation of two people wanting to arrive at an agreement. So the big word is ask, right? Yeah, ask for exactly what I want is the entire strategy. And people people don't get something that they don't ask for. You're not going to get what you don't ask for. And a lot of people don't ask because they fear rejection. One thing to consider is that rejection is never personal. It's not about you. Mm. Okay. Is it about their, their rules and regulations or the whole the whole thought process behind their company that they're representing. How do we interpret rejection? Not well, being personal. People typically people typically say no three times before they say yes. We're programmed to no. You think about how often as a kid you might have been told no. No, don't mm-hmm. touch that. No, don't eat that. No, don't get on that. No, 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 no. Right. And we're programmed automatically to no. And what may be going on is they may need the more information. 
They may need more time or it simply may be no, but you're never going to find out if you don't ask for exactly what you want. Right. Yeah. True. Yeah. That not only in buying, but also in life, we get so stuck when we don't ask for what we want and how we expect our spouses and our business to know where we want to go if we don't ask. So you are on a wonderful venture now that requires ask, 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 ask. And tell us about that. I love that you're doing this. Well, talking about the asking, uh, February, about a year ago, I went on a trip with an organization called Reaching Beyond Ourselves to Kenya. And Mm -hmm. I had first heard about the trip from the founder uh, Pastor Steve Rutenbar, I had met him in an event. Our booths were next to each other, and we mm-hmm. had a discussion about Kenya, and I was interested but didn't make a commitment, and I saw him again. And then I decided I wanted to go to Kenya, and I needed to raise my own funds to go. I told mm-hmm. my veterans group at, at my church about it, and one of the guys made a donation, and then I got in my own fear of asking. Even me, the negotiation chick, gets in the fear of asking. So I, oh. I got afraid, thinking, why, why, why do I have to ask? Why, why would anybody donate to send me on a, a trip? Mm. And I didn't ask. And at that point, my business was failing, and my refrigerator was empty. I couldn't pay my stacks of bills, and I was actually contemplating closing my business and going back to a corporate job, which is something I said I'd never do. Right. I lost millions of dollars in contracts. I had one contract that expired, and they weren't even going to talk about extending it for months. And people were ah. – I was going from or, organizations paying me to people wanting me to speak for free. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was not, and then the organizers were wanting my funds, and I kept telling them, I don't think I'm going because I haven't raised any money yet because of my fear of asking. I froze. And mm-hmm. then the guy who made the donation contacted me and said, I'm going to help you raise the funds. And when I got oh. off the phone with him, I, just, I decided to get my own ask, A-S-K, <laughs> in gear, and ask for exactly what I wanted now. Yeah. <laughs> that was right. that catalyst. Everybody has that catalyst. It's like, okay, I, I'm either going to ask or I'm not. Mm-hmm. And that's that pivotal point where you have to decide, what am I going to do? Am I going to ask? Am I not going to ask? Mm-hmm. And I figured I needed about uh, 120 people to donate $20, and I've committed to contacting five people a day, and, I, the first person I contacted donated $200, and the next person, next two people donated $100 each. And right. before I knew it, I had more than enough money, and I used the extra funds to buy socks and underwear for kids in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And asking, asking had already changed my life, but it was about to get even bigger than I could even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it, I went on I just trip. Want, listen, I want to say this is awesome for you to be so open and transparent with us because we think of of people that have had this type of job not ever being confronted with some of those same basic things that keep making circles in our lives. We're all repeats of of ourselves. And so 
I just, I love the fact, Eldona, that you were so open and transparent about your transit that time and getting the funds. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Yeah, and, you know, people look at me like, oh, she's so successful. She's never had an issue in her life. Yeah, wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, after, I, after I got the funds, I went on the trip, and we visited. We did outreach, and I did a lot of speaking and sharing. With, with We went to prisons, and we went to clinics, and we went to schools and churches and kids on the street and uh, we went to a place called the Kipsongo Slum, which is, uh, I mean, Kenya, like Nairobi is a big bustling city. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, business there, but then there's mm-hmm. a lot of below the poverty line. And the Kipsongo Slum is a place that's below the poverty line. They live in mud huts with a tin roof and a dirt floor, no bathrooms, no showers, no running water, those type of things. Mm-hmm. And I met these women and one of them gifted me with a bead made of uh, paper, magazines, and mm-hmm. asked for prayers and for her son, Maxwell, that maybe he'd get the money to go to school because school isn't free over there. And oh. I went away thinking, oh, maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe I'll, I'll help Maxwell. Maybe that's what I can do. Mm-hmm. And I saw that these ladies had had beads spread out on blankets, and they were selling them. they make them to make some money. And uh, I went away that night thinking, or that day thinking, well, yeah, maybe, maybe Maxwell, maybe that's what I'll do. And I went to sleep that night thinking about Maxwell and his mom. Her name was Patricia. And mm. I was tossing and turning. And then, like, suddenly I woke up with this idea. Buy some beads. Sell them with your book when you speak. Hmm. Book and a bead. That'll work. Book and a bead was born. And <laughs> book and a bead. <laughs> book and a bead. Book puts food on my table, bead puts food on their table. That's the way I I say it. Yeah. And uh, it it has turned into so much more. I started the name Baskets and Beads, and that was a year ago. Now, fast forward, I just came back from my third trip to Kenya, and I brought back hundreds more beads. I've got them in six shops. I'm looking for more markets for, for the beads. I sell them when I speak. I started selling out. The first batch I sold out. I doubled the order. I sold out again. I tripled the order. I sold out again. And then in July, I brought back about seven bags of beads. This time I brought back 10, and it's really growing. I started a nonprofit, Dynamic Vision Foundation, November 16th. And uh, I'm just, uh, this is a way to empower women to then save their children and enable them to go to school and to uh, the bigger vision is to buy some land and start a farm and build some apartments to move them out of that slum. Uh, but right. baskets and bees yeah. changed my life and it's changing theirs too. That's just awesome. Um, I want people to go to the website, which is baskets and beads. Is that right? Dot com. Bas- baskets and com. Um, yesterday when Donna and I were visiting prior to this call um, I went there after our conversation and there are videos there where you can actually see the women cutting the paper you of course can see a beautiful display of the beads and the beads I don't know if you've ever seen beads made out of 
paper, but the color is beautiful if they're creating them with colored paper. And so anyway, it's the, you see them, one woman cutting the paper and telling her story. Then on another video right beside it, you see the women celebrating their, their involvement with Eldona and how she is changing their lives just by believing in them, believing in their their beads as a way to get them out of poverty. I mean, Eldon, it's wonderful. I even shared that yesterday on my Facebook page and got a lot of hits because there's a lot of people out there that really, really, really love the idea of supporting and helping other women uh, create something. How did you decide to start, start a foundation I mean, that's really, I mean, there's one thing to go over there and say, I want to sell beads and all this. But I do know from my work in nonprofit that that's a little more, that's a little bigger bite of the apple <laughs> to make that commitment. So how did that come to be? Well, as this was growing and I was selling more and more beads and starting to get them into shops and as it I'm getting connected with more people and the the vision of getting larger accounts and that. I figured, and actually the vision to buy the land, I needed a nonprofit in order to uh, perhaps get funding to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not taking a salary from this. Uh, Obviously, it covers some expenses, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to have it separate from my business and completely support the women. I, right. I want, I'm teaching them, that I, one of my slogans is a hand up, not a hand out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm teaching them how to be entrepreneurs and manage their business. And, and I have a, my boots on the ground business partner, I guess what I call her, Layla over there in Kenya, works with the ladies on a, on a weekly basis and is teaching them how to manage finances. And we're working on getting them to be fully supporting by their own contributions. They used to prostitute themselves and, and beg for food or sell illegal alcohol. And that's less and less with the, the ability to make and sell the beads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. In this one video, who's the lady in the video that's cutting the paper? Um, she was very interesting how she was talking about how they, she didn't specifically t- say what, she had done, but she does have five children and and to see actually see and and listen to somebody that's living in such poverty um, we sometimes have no idea what that really looks like and uh, so anyway, I thought your video did a really good job of um, showing that so yeah I that's the the goal to show get people to see. What's interesting to me is they live way below the poverty line. You can see some of the pictures in the Kipsongo slum of of where they live and how they how, how they survive. But you can see a lot of joy and happiness any anyway, despite the mm-hmm. fact that they have very little. It really yes. did a lot from my perspective on I, I need a whole lot less to be happy and. What do I have to be upset about? 
Actually, yeah. one lady, when I was at an event, she asked me if she could get a deal if she bought two necklaces. And I, yeah. my question to her was, how many places in your house do you have where water comes out that you can actually drink it? And she kind of looked at me, and I said, I live yeah. in a two-bedroom condo, and I have at least five places inside my house where water comes out and a couple outside, and I can drink it. And mm-hmm. Not that we drink we were more bottled water, but I could still drink it and survive. These mm-hmm. women have to go. They have one pump in the slum, and sometimes they have to go to the river and get water, which is not really sanitary. And, you know, a lot of people in there have died of cholera and HIV and typhoid and other things. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's it, that's how they have to live. But they, they're smiling anyway. So what do we have to be upset about? Mm-hmm. It it just really it really works on your perspective and helps you negotiate a better mindset and more gratitude with yourself. And I'm looking around where I I live and I have a, a beautiful condo, two bedroom condo in Orange County, California. I have a nice garden and I have food in my fridge and I can turn on the heat or the air if I need to. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more blessed and I should be a lot happier. And a lot of us should be. We we take so much for granted, and that it really helped change my perspective on being more grateful for what I do have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it has to affect you when you actually see the real life that some women do live, and um, and what they're willing to do, go through to provide for their children. It's pretty. Um, Shocking or eye-opening how some people do suffer um, a lot of um, compromises in their life. So, what? So you you just alluded a little bit to this, but other than the open perspective, what is the the lesson that you're learning? Uh, the open perspective about. We're gifted. We have so much. But are you seeing possibilities? Or, um, what are the gifts that you're doing because you stepped outside of your comfort zone, certainly in that day and time when you were trying to go to Kenya and having some home diff- uh, finance issues? Well, what have been your takeaways? Do you think this is all just an accident? Or how has one benefited the other? Is that, is that a No, I don't, I don't think it was an accident. I don't think it was an accident at all. I think it was, uh, I say, God's perfect plan, no matter what your, your belief system is. But uh, right. I, I, I was basically called to do this work. I've, I help uh, part of what's going to happen in my foundation as it grows is I'm going to put um, veterans back to work, my veteran brothers and sisters, because I will need help as it as it grows and that's my plan to be able to to give back here i do a lot of outreach to veterans here as it is but mm-hmm. uh, i i my calling has been to serve women i didn't realize mm-hmm. it was going to be to serve women in kenya and mm-hmm. it was basically here's something you can do okay i'll i'll buy a few beads and sell them with my book and then i i just got so passionate about how encouraged they got, how 
their encouragement and faith and belief has, in themselves has grown and how we started with five women and it's up to 35 now. So, and they're talking about reaching back. And there's a lot of, what's interesting to me, women's culture doesn't matter what the culture is. There's still infighting, jealousy, uh, backbiting, <laughs> gossip. And it's, I had to address that because the, my first day there, we visited 15 houses. I got 15 mm-hmm. interviews. There's two of them up on my YouTube channel now. I haven't put them on the website, but if you go to eldonaluisfernandez.com, you can see the two of the, the 15. And then the next day I was supposed to visit 15 more, but because of threats from other women, about 10 of the women backed out of having me come to their homes. I went to a place, I went in all their homes. No Mazungu does that. It's usually if you have somebody visiting it from a, group they walk through or whatever they may pop in one house and offer some encouragement or a prayer or something but oh, I went in yeah. each one of these women's houses and I got their stories and it's incredible but the fact that they got threatened because I was there because other women were like well we she's they're assuming because I'm there I must be giving money out to everybody which wasn't the case and their their thought right. process is well everybody should get some and then so all right. the women got threatened and and we actually had when the team visited because the the group that was doing the regular team visits across uh, all the places that we go as a team uh, we mm-hmm. went there as a group, and there were more women than just ours. So I stood up and addressed that. I'm like, there's enough room at the top for everyone. There's no room for people, especially women, hating on each other because all life comes from us. So if all life comes from us, we need to bring forth a positive, uplifting, uh, encouraging environment, not tearing each other down. And if women continue to tear each other apart, that's where the failure is going to come in. So it, it was sad that... It doesn't matter where you go, that stuff exists, but it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Well, we are women, and that's kind of our burden that we have to uh, work on is our mindset there. Um, it is interesting that we have the same mindset no matter where we are. We have the weaknesses and the strengths, uh, and that does happen a lot in the women's uh, psyche, I think, competition, um, they're getting more than I'm getting, that type of uh, thinking. I think that's great. And who would have known, Eldana, that that could have been one of the, a very important message that you delivered that day just to help help them grow into uh, a stronger um, family or unit so that they can win in the end and become out really a, uh, a strength for their communities. That's awesome. I like that. So you, now you're a therapist. <laughs> no, I'm still uh, simply an inspirational speaker. I do some coaching, but it, there is a, there's that, that thing that it, it was amazing to me. They're, they can be any more different in the way that they – grew up and where they live than, than me, yet as mm-hmm. women, we still all have that same thing going on. And it's, right. <laughs> it's something that women need to pay attention to 
and work yes. through and not tear each other down. We need to lift each other up and support each other because, like I said before, there's enough room at the top for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope that, like you, your second book that I was um, interested in reading about uh, are, will be very interesting. It's about women in the military. And uh, the name of that book is called Heart of a Military Woman. So that's your second book. But do you think you will write a book about this new experience that you're having? Uh I am working on, I'm actually doing, uh, work, going to be working on a book called Baskets and Beads. Uh, uh-huh. it, the, and I'm going to do volumes as it progresses. It's going to have stories of the ladies and photos. I'm going to be working on that over the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. There's going to be small books because things are going to change and evolve, but it's volume one, the beginning, how it all began, and then Pictures right. of the beads and pictures of the the women and things like that, so people yeah. can have the opportunity to see where how it all started and where it's going. So, if if you had a um, ask today, what would be your ask of my audience um, that would help your vision for the women in Africa and Kenya? Well, the there, there's a couple of asks. I'm starting a, a membership portal where people can be monthly members because obviously expenses come in, and I don't want the bead sales to be uh, taken, uh, taking all the expenses. I want to actually raise money to cover expenses and working on keeping costs low, but also looking for introductions to places like Whole Foods and other stores like Francesca's and uh, Chico's and different stores that that may be open to carrying the the beads and mm-hmm. uh, also just purchasing the beads, following a baskets and beads on Instagram and Facebook, those mm-hmm. those type of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm going to share this with you because it's on my mind right now. There is a community in Santa Fe. They have a um, a festival every year. It's called the Folk Art Festival. And they bring in uh, artists from all countries. Um, you're responsible for providing their transportation, but that's a resource that I know you and I probably talk about. I mean, it's at least a, a value to pursue as a resource for your beads. So anyway, I thought of that actually yesterday, and I wanted to share it with you. So um, that'd be a great resource for you. But we can oh, yeah, definitely. We talk more about that. But I love what you've done, and it, it's amazing to me how your skills, starting out as you did um, um, so many years ago, 23-plus, <laughs> we'll say. I guess it would be 33 <laughs> now, wouldn't it, because you did 10 years after your yeah. service. So right. uh, anyway, the numbers are growing, but um, how you have been able to take your uh, skills and they just keep growing and developing in all sorts of ways. Um, do you see, what do you see? We've got the, 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 the desire to build uh, by land, 
so that these ladies can move out of the slums and create for them a, a unity. So um, a, 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 a group or family or village or whatever you would call it uh, that supports your bead efforts. So anyway, Eldana, I have thoroughly loved not all, not only reuniting with you and your wonderful skills as a negotiator, but also how you're uh, negotiating change for women in Kenya. It's powerful. And we know now that we can go to your website. And your website is, tell us again. Basketsandbeadskenya.com But if they want to go and get your book, they would go to your other website, um, Think Like a Negotiator. Yes, or you can get it on, uh, there's also Kindle version as well. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. There's hard copy and there's Kindle version. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I, um, I really, really enjoyed having you on the show today to to share what you're doing now. And I've always found value in your training of how to be a negotiator, too. So thank you for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me. And I'm just, I just send you lots of support in, as you go forward. So thank you very much for being with us today. And as we go through the week, I hope that you will think about Eldana and her uh, vision for the Kenya women. Maybe be a part, step up for a part of that. And also that y'all, you'll think of asking for yourself what you want your week to look like. So I thank you very much for being here and go to iTunes. Okay, till next week. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services and 